Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us each and every Friday. Well, we are excited this morning to be joined by the delightfully enthusiastic Ellen Pogamiller. <laughs> Thank you. Ellen. Uh, Ellen's on our legislative team. And um, we wanted to, there are a couple of things real quick before we start chatting. Um, today, we're going to talk about the teacher shortage, but we will come back to, there was a ruling on uh, 658 that we're going to talk about later in the show. Um, but for now, we want to talk about the teacher shortage because this is something that is really at front of mind for a lot of people because... Uh, everybody's, there are lots of, lots of gaps out there, lots of, lots of gaps in our classroom. So Ellen, what, what is, what's the deal? Why is this happening? So a couple things that we've, you know, articles that have come out the past couple of weeks, one is just talking about retirement in the state. Yeah. Um, in 2019, 2020, we saw about 1600 people retire from the field. And I want to point out, this is at the beginning of the pandemic when people know, yeah. That the pandemic is here. Go ahead. And then this summer we saw it skyrocket, which was now 2,200 approximately teachers wow. have retired this summer. And so all of a sudden we're starting to look at those numbers and then looking at how are those positions being filled. Right. And right. of course, another story out there is that we've approved the highest amount of emergency teaching certificates, 2,600 Um this year. And so we're looking at both of those things. And a priority always for our organization is to ensure that we have, you know, certified and teachers and um, those individuals in the classroom and that we have people to choose from. Right. And, and right. You always want a deep applicant pool, yes. regardless of the industry, yes. but especially an industry that works with kids. So, I mean, one of the things that we're seeing also is is retention. People people not want not just retiring, but also not wanting to stay in the profession. And Catherine, mm -hmm. you've heard from folks all over the state that are feeling feeling like they need to go. Absolutely, you know, our educators, our teachers, support professionals, administrators are working tirelessly every day, yeah. and especially this last year and a half. And yep. we cannot begin to thank them enough for the work that they do. But hearing from teachers, they're teaching in person, they're having to put lessons online for our students that need to be quarantined. Right. It's just the, the pressure is becoming so great that they, they don't see the purpose in their job yeah. and they're feeling very defeated right now. And, and also we've seen a change in um, certain groups in the public, how they're responding to our educators. I mean, I heard, I heard the other day of protests outside of an ed admin school, not just at the admin building, but at the actual school. I mean, how, the, how that must make educators feel. You know, you know, what educators want is to feel supported. Right. You know, we, uh, just like healthcare, we're a service provider. We're right, working right. with people right. and the value that they bring to, whether it's the classroom, food service, bus drivers, it is about helping others out. Mm -hmm. And that is so heartbreaking to see. And I, and educators are feeling each day. Yeah. I think one of the things we talk about a lot is teacher burnout, which is really looking yeah. at self-care and right. what teachers can do so that they are not exhausted personally. And right. that's, you know, that's really 
on the individual, but there's a greater context that we really want to focus on, which is like the demoralizing of the profession, right. which is kind of what Catherine was touching on. And also, I mean, gosh, class sizes, mm-hmm. resources, mm-hmm. you know, if you're having to spend your own money and we know that class sizes are a problem and really were, I mean, gosh, that was the issue that people came to the Capitol for mm-hmm. in 2018 after their pay raise. Um, if you've got, 35 students instead of 25 students, your workload is, I mean, significantly higher than it would be. Yeah, it's incredible. I still remember one student saying that our our textbooks are being held together by duct tape and a prayer. <laughs> and maybe <laughs> they were so outdated. Maybe we could get books that have yeah. spines included. <laughs> I don't know. Or up-to-date textbooks. I'm just or, dreaming big. Yeah, yeah. Well, big so picture. when we think about the uptick in retirement, the, the burnout that people are feeling and some are choosing to opt out of, of the classroom. Um, you know, how do we solve this problem? So, so Ellen, give us a peek at what the legislature is doing. So this, um, you know, interim studies kind of kicks off, um, really September is when they start kicking off. And what's different about this session is that they've been assigned to committees. So there are committees that we, don't know when these sessions will be because the education committee actually haven't has not put their calendar out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are four different interim studies that focus on um, retention, certification, um, the teacher shortage, and um, how we can recruit and you know minimize turnover and shortages in our workforce. Because we know that those have consequences for our kids. Is direct consequences for our students. Right. Um, you know, I think we've lost sight of the term emergency. And so what that means is we have the state, the district, for, it starts at the district, they have declared an emergency. Yeah. They need help. Then the state grants the emergency. Emergency means crisis. Right. And so you think back to 2013, we only had 34 uh, emergency certifications that Mm. were issued. Those were typically, um, I may have been teaching, I had my certification in elementary ed, but I needed to teach early childhood. Mm. So we granted an emergency so they could take that um, teacher licensure exam. Yeah. It is not the same way today. And and bless their hearts for stepping in and and wanting to teach. Right. But But it does have consequences. We've become, and and when you have different teachers every year, and just as, you know, it costs $11,000 to replace every educator. Districts cannot afford, this was a study that the state did recently. Districts cannot afford the teacher crisis. Students cannot afford the teacher crisis. And I just, I, I, there, there are actual consequences to our kids, even if a, even if a teacher stays every year. And but I think we've become too immune mm-hmm. to emergency. Yeah, it's just become a common term that oh, well, we're going to get an emergency, right? And, and Without, so I had not I had not thought about that, Catherine. Yeah, That's mm-hmm. really interesting. So the federal law, because it is such an important field in special education, the federal law does not allow a state to deem special education as an emergency. Yeah. That's how important it is. And so you look at that and you think about what we're doing every but day. We, but And special ed is one of the fields that is an absolute emergency. Yeah, People, absolutely. districts can't find enough special ed teachers. Right. And so you think about where the effects that we have on kids. We want 
the highest qualified professional in that classroom that because that year of learning, we, we talk about, you know, what we've dealt with this in the last year and a half with the pandemic and the effects it's had possibly on academic and social emotional. Well, we need to be looking at the same way. If we don't have the highest qualified person in that classroom, that is a year that we cannot get back in a student's life. And so their knowledge and increasing knowledge is vitally important and turnover does not support no having the most i mean when you think about just any job any job your first year is not your best year no. you know what i mean just yeah. because everyone has a learning curve well so Catherine, you you actually have some in-depth experience with um the teacher shortage serving mm. on the task force can you give us yeah. some what give us a roadmap how where's the exit ramp can we take it so tomorrow maybe yeah i don't know when i was first elected as vice president uh superintendent hoffmeister put together a teacher shortage task force so mm -hmm. it started 2015-16 and pulled together stakeholders together and one of the and it, we were together for about four or five years and what we looked at we looked at trends we looked at data but what what became so apparent it used to be just in specific very hard to fill areas like teaching Russian or something mm -hmm. like right, that. Right, right. But now it was across every field. But one of the key points of information that we did is we surveyed, uh, we we have 30,000 uh, people out in our fields. Yeah. Uh, I would be one, my mother is one, that have kept their teaching certificate up to date yeah. that are no longer in a classroom. Yeah, what are you guys, are you guys available? What are you, what are yeah. you doing later? Yeah, and <laughs> you we wanna, asked, You wanna come hang out? <laughs> and, we, and we did some, we did, we used a pollster, and so we had some very accurate data with that. But what we yeah. found out was if teachers left within the first five years, it was about pay. Mm -hmm. If they left after five years, it was about the respect, yeah. the autonomy, That's, the resources that they oh, needed. Man. And so we know that pay is when we talk about attracting. Yeah. Pay is key number one. We talk about retention. Yeah. It's about that support yeah. that educators need to continue to stay in the profession. And, you know, when you say that, I I automatically think back to the walkout when on a Sunday the legislature passed the pay raises. And and I think that there were many lawmakers who thought there wouldn't be a walkout. Yeah. But that's not what it's all. I mean, no. it's important. Right. Absolutely. But it's not the only important thing. Ellen, when you think about this legislative session coming up next year. What are things that the legislature can actually do? I mean, it seems like that there are that there are things that can be done to to remedy the problem. Yeah, I mean, I think these interim studies will hopefully kind of get hint us at kind of where their focus is going. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the way Catherine described it. It's a lot of times when we talk about public schools, we talk about, you know, what we can do to improve them. Mm -hmm. And we categorize them as an emergency. It's, there's yeah. literally an emergency emerging at our schools across the state where we yeah. can't fill positions. Right. And so clearly pay is one of those, you know. But also I think we have to lean into our superintendents and administrators to talk about that field of how many teachers are they able to hire? Yeah. What are the, are there um, subject matters where there's a higher, greater, I mean, special ed? Are there ways that we can incentivize maybe groups to fill our highest concentration of need mm -hmm. and bring people to those that profession. Yeah. Um, and then ensure, I think Superintendent Hoffmeister has really tried to outline 
a better job of, you know, whether that's pay to student teachers, you know, creating that as a long-term support uh, for students, that would be something. I think there's a lot of options. I, I think that honestly, the pandemic has provided so many opportunities to like try some new things within that system we have a value that we can see what works right um and allow those experts to kind of invest right now when we have the infrastructure and we have the financial support to do that Mm -hmm. and maybe in two years we're landing at a different point but we do know that money has to be a part of that process Well, thank you so much, Ellen, for giving us a peek into the teacher shortage. And thank you, Catherine, for your insight. And uh, we will definitely keep an eye on those interim studies. Okay. Thanks. We are so excited to welcome Zach Grimm to the podcast today. Zach, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy good. to be here. Good. Well, we um, for those of you who might not know, Zach is our new NEA director, and we will get into that. Um, and also the president of the Education Association of Moore. So, um, Zach, tell us a little bit about your background, why you decided to become a teacher and your teaching career. That's a great question. Um, I decided to become a teacher because I went into college hoping to become an engineer. Oh, really? I know that's very different. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, my sights were set on some money, you know? Yeah, right. And so Um, then you went into teaching for that. Exactly. Well, you know, I was sitting in chemistry and (laughs) physics and I was like, this is not for me. Yeah, yeah. So um, I went back to my roots and Mm -hmm. educators run in my family. Uh, My mother has worked for Edmond Public Schools for my entire life. And so I decided that, you know, let me let me go back and, and focus on something that I'm passionate about, yeah. which is teaching. I tutored through high school and and it's just something that I'm passionate about. So So why Spanish? You're a Spanish teacher, correct? Yes, that's correct. I've always been very curious about other culture mm-hmm. and language. And uh, I had some friends in high school that spoke Spanish and mm-hmm. I wanted to know more about it. So I focused on Spanish through high school and studied that in college as well. And here we are. Yeah. Um, so when you started teaching, um, did you become a member of team right away? Did you think about it? Like talk about sort of how you became a member of team and how you became involved. Okay. So when I first started student teaching, they sent me to Westmore and I had never really been to more public schools before. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Um, but I ended up really enjoying my time there. And the first week that I was student teaching, my department head, Elise Robillard, sat mm-hmm. me down and said, professionals belong to their professional association. Mm-hmm. So here's your form. Mm-hmm. Sign up. Yeah. So I didn't really know what I was signing up for, <laughs> but uh, I found that it's just the best place for educators to be, to be part of their association and to you know take care of their um, professionalism and make sure that, yeah. that they're receiving all the benefits that they can receive as an educator through their association. So there's a big leap between being a member mm-hmm. and being the president of your local. Right. So how did that come to be? Did you like miss a meeting? And then they were like, by the way, now you're doing this. Like, how did that come? How did you, how and why did that come to be? So I wasn't even a building rep before I became treasurer of team. Oh, really? So the president, Elise Rebler. You missed a meeting. I you did. did. I missed a meeting. <laughs> And um, the president came to me and said, hey, we really need a treasurer. And I know that you studied a lot of math in college. Would you be willing to run or to be our treasurer and then run after um, the interim stops? Yeah. And so I jumped on board and became treasurer of team. And And then kept 
Yep, I serving served, as an officer. I served for two years as treasurer, and then Elise was on her way out as president, and I decided that, that would be a perfect slot for me to run for president and hopefully win, and I did. So awesome! And so you've been president of the Education Association More team for several years now, yes. and which is a full time, full time release job. Why? Why now run for NEA director? I feel like my heart and my soul wants it now. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I felt like it was the right time. It's something that I've been curious and interested to run for for a long time yeah. since I became active within the NEA and OEA. So, so for folks who might not know, maybe our listeners who aren't OEA members, explain what an NEA director is. Like, what's your what's your role um, in the state and nationally? Right. So in the state, I serve on the board of the OEA. Uh -huh. Um, for the entire state. And mm -hmm. then within the NEA board, I, I serve on the NEA board on to represent all members of the Oklahoma Education Association. So I want to be a voice for all members on the national board to make sure that Oklahomans are, are represented adequately. And that's a state, and for folks who might know, know also, I just want to add, that's a statewide elected position that you had to run talking to members from across the state. So we're talking, you know, everywhere from metros to suburbs to rural communities right. like rep there's a lot of voices to represent and Catherine you know this I mean the same thing there's a lot like our members are such a broad range of of perspectives they have such a broad range of situations how do you like how do you kind of wrap that all up that's a great question. And I think that's going to be something that I need to iron out the details for when yeah. I step into this role fully. Yeah. But my my passion is meeting members where they are. Right. And so whether it's a rural teacher or a you know urban teacher in one of our you know, Oklahoma City or uh, large metro uh -huh. local, I want to be able to listen to their needs and represent their right. needs on the national board. Um, so it's to me, it doesn't matter if it's a teacher from a small rural town or yeah. if you know it's a local with five members or a local with 700 members. Right, right. Their, their voice is equally important to me, and I want to make sure I take care of them. You know, that is the beauty of our association. Whether you're at the local level, state level, or national level, these are our members running to be elected by our members yeah. to serve them. It's not a, a position you apply for or a job interview. This We go through elections. We are a democratic representation mm -hmm. at its finest. And you know, it's interesting to me when I hear, especially because I don't get out in the field the way that you guys do. I love hearing how there are so many universals, despite, you know, where, like what you were saying, Zach, where you might have a local of five members, a local of 700 members, there are still universals of, we want the best for our kids and they deserve the best facilities and they deserve qualified teachers. And it's like, I love, I mean, it's it's really neat when you start listening and you, I hear you guys talking about like, what people want at the core is so very similar. Right. Um, so as we are coming off of Labor Day and, in, and enjoying our four day work week, um, what, um, why is it important for people to be part of their union? Well, you know, you need to take care of yourself as a professional mm -hmm. and our association provides that safe coverage and not only coverage legal wise, but sure. also your professional development. We offer mm -hmm. incredible professional development to all of our members, whether mm -hmm. they're support or certified. And um, it also just provides our members the ability to collaborate with other professionals outside of their district. Yes. So, I mean, it's the opportunities are endless as a mm -hmm. member of the Oklahoma Education Association. 
Well, thank you so much, Zach, for your service locally and now on a state and national level. We appreciate your time very much. Thank you so much. Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. You know, Carrie, we just had the written order filed from yes. the lawsuit. It's 658. 658. Senate Bill 658. Yeah. There was the, the lawsuit by the Oklahoma Medical Association mm -hmm. and some families. And there was the ruling last week. But then there's something happened this week. And you've right. been talking with our OEA general counsel. Can you kind of give us an update on what happened? So what happened this week? Okay. So remember last week, there was a temporary injunction that right. was granted. Right. And so this week, what was required is the what they consider the written order basically mm -hmm. in writing what did the judge decide on this temporary injunction mm -hmm. and and they specifically they aren't hearing the full merits of the case but just specifically they were uh, this written order is about mass mandates uh -huh. and what a school district can require uh -huh. and do and so what it lays out is that uh, if your school district your board adopts a mass mandate that you have to provide exemptions for a student. And okay. that has to be requested yeah. by a parent or a guardian. Uh -huh. And it and so what they did is they used um, from statute the three exemptions that we allow for immunization. So that is... Makes, that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, medical, mm -hmm. medical uh, purposes, uh, highly religious purposes, or personal choice. Uh -huh. And so the parents have to... Or guardian has to request that on behalf of the student. Got so it. that's in there. What is also it, you know, part of the statute was it included not only mass, uh, did not allow for mass mandates of students, employees, or visitors. So that part was on employees and visitors was silent. And so what happens there is okay. that um, then you go to the federal. Okay. Uh, what exemptions that are required federally, which oh. are medical and religious? And I was wondering, I was wondering about that differentiation, why it would be different. But I, but that makes sense. Yeah. If it's yeah, if it's silent, then you default to the you, you, yeah, yeah, you default to the federal piece of that. Fascinating. So we've seen we've seen districts. I was wondering about this because we've seen districts with that ruling last week and the clarification or the explanation this week mm -hmm. that we've seen Ponca city pass a mass mandate, right. Middell, Putnam city, their districts across the state are taking up this issue. It's in their purview too. Right. Which is what we've been local control, yeah. which and is what we've been saying. Exactly. And that's the why, dawn of time. <laughs> yeah. The OEA adopted a resolution or plan of action to mm -hmm. support this lawsuit because it was about local control right. and making sure that local boards were able to uphold their constitutional authority yeah. to make those decisions. So that is yes. really, and we'll, and we'll continue. And, and we have it up on our website, right? Yes. There's a blog. Yes. Go to OKA.org and there's more info, Q&A, good, yeah. good stuff there that kind of clarifies. And then, a, you know, great infographic if you need to just see real quick and just good info about kind of what this means for you as an employee, what it means for you as a parent. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah. You know, Carrie, we talked about today about emergency certification mm -hmm. and we cannot think thank our educators enough mm -hmm. for stepping in the classroom mm -hmm. if they're on an emergency certification or alternative certification route. And, and we, it's about support. We yeah. talk a lot about that and supporting them. Yes. And so we want to make sure that um, 
especially for our teachers that are going through the emergency cert or alternative route, that we have resources for you and to go to okea.org slash test prep where you can find where we can help you pay for a test. Yeah. Half, yeah. half, half voucher off. for yeah. half off. That's half awesome. off. And then we also have test prep at study sessions for you. And we started them last week. Yeah. And, and they're, I, I didn't realize until recently that they're taught by college professors who are teaching strategies. And, and, you know, honestly, when I, when I went through the alternative certification route and, um, I was like, how do I calculate the volume of the cylinder? It's been a minute. Like it's, you know, (laughs) so I, I just think that's such a great resource for those of us who came through an alternate or, emergency route to have a refresher, you know, because it's for some of us, it has been a while since we had those classes. Especially we did, we had two specific sessions, one on under the general, the, what we call the OGET, which Uh is the general knowledge test. Uh We have a section for math, which is kind yeah. of a, it's, it's been some time since right. some people have had algebra one. And calculate and then, the yeah. volume of a cylinder. Yeah. And then we have the writing component as well, because yeah. that, that assessment piece is the structure of writing. It is right. looking at your grammar right. and when your was composition. Last, yeah. yeah. If you're not writing professionally, when yeah. was the last time you wrote an essay? Yeah. As an adult. Right. Essay, you know? <laughs> yeah. The beginning, the middle, and the That's end. You, this is my Christmas letter. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah. a five paragraph <laughs> essay. Ex, expect an excellent thesis, everyone. Yeah. And then last, I wanted to make sure that we knew that we have some upcoming elections. Um, yeah. For we, you know, we have our fund for children in public education, mm-hmm. FCPE. And this is a separate entity. Our dues dollars do not go. Do to, not. Do not. Don't go to our pack. It's a pack. And it's where our members, on top of everything, contribute to be a member of the Fund for Children in Public Education. Uh-huh. And the really cool thing is we have a council that is elected from yeah. our contributors. And so um, if you are a contributor, be looking. You will be receiving a letter in the mail to let you know if you have an election in your region or in your zone. Um, that's upcoming. And we want people to file for office and run to be on the council because that is where we make the decisions of who we recommend. And you guys always have such a good mix of folks. You know what I mean? And I know that it's geographically based, but it's so interesting to me how it also, it sort of naturally becomes like a very politically diverse group. I mean, it's like all across the political spectrum. I just, I just think that's a, it's a, as an outsider, it's an interesting process. To, to me to watch and and to know that you may not be a contributor to the fund we call it the fund mm-hmm. a lot of times mm-hmm. but you can you can go to our website we have said all the websites today i know okea.org slash fcpe and you can contribute and be oh a, my gosh you can venmo yeah you can paypal yeah you can do payroll deduct it's so easy yeah i've i like how many times do you use venmo all the time I did. It's super easy. I did yesterday. See, and you can send, and then it also, it doesn't have to be a whole million dollars. You can send five bucks. Yeah. Like it's just, it's super easy. One dollar a month is, makes all the difference in the world when we have a candidate that is, especially, you know, we look at our candidates and we have criteria that we use with them and we interview them, Mm -hmm. we make recommendation and it's not, it's not me as the president that makes a recommendation. Right. It is on behalf the council votes right. to recommend those candidates. And then if you're a contributor to the PAC or to the fund or whatever we want to call it today, um, 
then you can be on an interview team. That's where the work really happens. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, get involved, yeah. party people. Let's do it. Well, we want to say thank you so much to Ellen Pogamiller of our legislative team, our NEA director, Zach Grimm, for joining us. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.